Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to episode 200 of your favorite movies, video games, and comic book uh, podcast. Uh, I'm Jonathan London over here on the left side. Every week, I'm joined by a guest to talk about movies, video games, and comic book news and reviews. Uh, this week, my guest is comedian Sean Cullen. He's from Canada, which I know we have a ton of Canadian listeners, and on the website, a ton of Canadian visitors. And sometimes we uh, we plume our own feathers, like uh, as Americans. Yes. And as Americans, we don't really consider Canada... You know, when we say Americans, we're talking about the United States of America. How do you feel yeah. like that about a, uh, Canadians? Like, uh, but what do you mean? How do we feel about you? Like, oh, we're so, we're so America. And, and, oh, America this, America that. And we just kind of forget our uh, peaceful, uh, stable brothers to the north. Well, uh, I don't know. It's always been an interesting thing, because I think a lot of Canadians and you know performers and writers come out of Canada. Right. But I think you have a kind of, we have a more objective view of America. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're right in the middle of America, things are happening, and people are like, "Oh, this is totally normal." And then you watch it from Canada, you're like, "What are you up a to? Fucking disaster! You're insane! <laughs> Why are you going to Iraq? That makes no sense. No one was there. There was no part of this that was part of you." Having troubles anyway, so you know, You're like a smarter older brother, well, like, like, like you know what I mean. Like, like in, in, if we were an 80s uh, family, so like, like show, you know, like yeah. a daytime show, you'd be like the brother who was like looking out for like little Jesse who's getting in all this trouble, you know what I mean, yeah. and, and, and is trying to get through puberty or ask a girl out to the prom. You'd have like the good advice for us, and then you'd and we wouldn't it. Li- if, we, yeah. if we if we if we followed the advice, we wouldn't have an episode, that's right, <laughs> you know what I mean. I understand, well, that's part of the fun, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's part of the fun. Fun uh, watching you you flail around and destroy the world while we go. Mm, yes, well done. Yeah, all we worry about is a dollar. You know, not going too low. That's right. all that matters. Don't yeah. fuck up too bad. That's not. That's not, we don't want that. But I don't know. We're compromisers in Canada. We've always had to be because there's so little to eat. <laughs> it's cold as well. Is yeah. Canada just in the background waiting for the U.S. to just screw up royally so you can go? Yeah, we'll buy you. Yeah, yeah. we got it. I don't know. I think there's too much. I mean, there's too many people here in right. America. That's a problem. We're, there's only 30 million of us. There's like 300 million of you. Holy shit, yeah. That's a lot of you. So yeah, a lot would have to happen for us and to be And there was only to... like 20 million of you until Hong Kong got taken back by China. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. Now Vancouver, Kong. Is, uh... <laughs> that, that being said, we've done an episode in Toronto uh, from the Silver Snail. which oh, I, think, I love the Silver Snail. I think snail. the Silver Snail, speaking about North America, is the best comic book 
store uh, in North America. Well, it has it's everything. Fucking awesome. It's unbelievable. When, when I was you can say younger, Midtown Comics. You can say mm-hmm. like uh, you can play in New York. You can talk about the places here in LA. Silver Snail is the shit. Well, it's great because it's got an amazing uh, on the on the one the ground floor when you go in. It's always got an amazing display oh, in the windows. Story. It's just cool. Yeah. And then there's another story up above. It's all games and you know for gamers and absolute nerds. <laughs> and I like used to play the tons club of the club. Uh, yeah, RPGs when I was. What would up. you play? Just straight up Dungeons and Dragons? No, I never liked the intricate Dragons. I liked. There, well, Call of Cthulhu was kind of my mm-hmm. favorite one, and uh, oh, Warhammer, the role-playing game. I really love uh, Michael Moorcock, so I loved uh, the Elric uh, games, all the Chaosium games that were mm-hmm. kind of interchangeable, you know. And you could maybe get all the packs and stuff like that for that. I, I played everything. I mean, am I childish that I think Michael Moorcock is the coolest name ever? Michael Moorcock, and yeah. I love his books. I mean, he is. I mean, Elric is one of my favorites. And it's like the elf, like the elf stuff. Familiarize myself because I stick. When I played role playing games, I played D and D long enough to realize it was a Marvel superheroes role playing game. Yeah, and then I was and just like, ah, I'm just gonna play that. And then I found out there was a cartoon game where I could like. There was a, the, a game called Tune. It was like you were a cartoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you could make a giant mallet and run around and stuff like sure. that. Sure. And there were games like Paranoia. I didn't which... do the smart stuff, I think is what you're, I'm telling no, you. No, well, it's did not like the, I did like the, smart. I, I was like, oh, this is a lot of math. How can I make this dumber? Comic books and cartoons. Let's no. do it. Well, it's great. I mean, the, the permutations of... I mean, I don't know what the story is now and how how widely the Michael play stuff, stuff Because I mean, the computers and all this stuff, uh, you know, and video games kind of ate a huge chunk out of that because mm-hmm. you you know you're used to sit there and draw up maps and all that stuff and it's all done for you now right but um, I don't know I, I loved uh, world building mm-hmm. I love doing that and uh, I write books now and I, I think it was good training for that and trying to make a consistent world and uh, characters that make sense and but all you, that sort of you stuff. You made a name for yourself as a comedian. Yes. Right? Like, how did that start out, becoming a comedian? Well... Toronto's a hotbed for comedy. There's a lot of comedy. You know, yeah. yeah, well, we started... Uh, I, I was in university, and uh, I was failing out for a <laughs> University of Windsor acting program, Bachelor of Fine Arts. <laughs> failing out of your acting No, well, program. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where I was cruising along fine, and then right. suddenly someone decided to make me an example you know because oh, things that. go yeah. things go along and I could do things with relative ease mm-hmm. and slide along and uh, you know things like that so eventually uh, one teacher kind of made my life <laughs> one professor kind of I'm not just going to be the one me. who ignores you yeah right. you are going to pay right and you have to write notebooks and you have to do all these things and I was ah oh, you know it's not yeah so I was put on probation I tried hard to get out of that and then I went and I did an amateur comedy contest with Corky and the Juice Pigs the three of us friends from uh, university <laughs> and we'd started our own show and we we won our little comedy heat uh-huh. and then lost the well came in second in the big right. prize and the but the bug was there yeah and when and I was you... the summer to over the summer I was going to go back and, and then I went, oh, you know, I'm actually getting paid to do comedy now. And this is like performing, and I get to write my own script. Mm-hmm. So there you go. In school, were you vocal, or were you just trying to go under the radar? No, were you like well, a I class was, clown, um, or like what was going on? The thing is, I think people, there's, certain, there's a certain kind of person who takes offense to how I have a facility for, say, improvisation. Right. Or, and it looks too easy. It doesn't look like I'm working hard enough. And there's, there are these people, and I think there's a lot of professors who are like this, who it doesn't come easy for. They right. work hard at it, 
and uh, and they then, landed at professors. <laughs> yeah, because they're not, they don't have that professional thing, <laughs> right? That lifts them above it, and they and they kind of see it in other people and go, ah, oh, but you will have. Face the reality that I had to face, <laughs> I will, and I, I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> I called one of my professors Bluto once. Oh, because <laughs> he looked like Dom DeLuise, like Bluto, and uh, and I and he, you know, I think a test that I did fairly, you know, okay at. He gave you me know, an F. he's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to go a little harder on Jonathan and force him towards a little more critical thought just for calling me Bluto to make the class you know, laugh. And I was like, way to go, you, you know. Well, it's so personal. Yeah, and he, like it's they not, make it personal in the, and then in they the university level. Not personal. In high school, it's almost like the teachers are just trying to get it out of the fucking shrapnel as fast as they can. Well, yeah. Because there's so many students and they're just like, fuck this. I don't get paid enough for this and crap. In high school, you seek out the extra. Like, if you find a good teacher, you seek out ways to use that. You know, mm-hmm. and in, in university, it's kind of, it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's so personal. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. I'm okay now. <laughs> high school teachers plan on being teachers. College professors planned on doing what they're teaching. You think, you think that's true? Or maybe they're writing a book? My experience is better. Maybe they're writing well, a book? Well, I think, yeah, well, I think it's all about, there's another ulterior motive for... for uh, the babes. The, yeah, well, it's to be respected. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way in high school you know you're not going to be respected right. by a high school teacher. You're just trying to impart something to kids who are passing through. But in the, uh, you th- uh, being a professor is an achievement in itself. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, I am, oh. I have tenure, I have this, and I am an expert. <laughs> as soon as you're dealing with experts, there's a problem. Because mm-hmm. they know what's right. The worst ones know what's right and... You can't say anything different. Yeah, they, 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 what I like about let me tell you what I like about teaching at the graduate level is just it's a te- partnership. This is what yeah is telling myself I'm I'm telling like I I can't be an asshole like it's actually helped my yeah. my my work a little bit because I can't show up and tell the kids be disciplined about these things and then go home and be like eh, whatever no. I, I don't have to I don't have it to do an out, I don't have to write an do. outline I don't have to write an outline I don't have to shot list I don't have to do any of this stuff yeah. <laughs> you know you literally teach be a process yeah but I think there may be some dickheads who, who preach but then when they come home their own work so and I For think sure. they, I think they're gonna stay in that world I, I can see myself. I have to make the movies, but I can see myself loving to, to, to teach. And I think part of Geekscape is telling people about storytelling and doing yeah, a little sure. bit of... If I can be so bold as to say, like, I think some of you guys listen to this conversation, you know, and hopefully you guys think about the stories that you experience in movies and comics and this stuff in a more critical way because of this show. Because we're being critical assholes. Does that make sense, guys? Like, I'm not too, being too full well, of Well, it. it's always been something for me. I, I sit there and I, I watch a movie and I go, they spent... Forty billion dollars on this. Why is it terrible? <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, how does that happen? Beyond that, Sean, there. How many people working on this film? Yeah. Well, this probably is the problem. Yeah. I think the problem with uh, when I do stand-up comedy, I'm on stage, I create it, and I know exactly how to feel about it and mm-hmm. how to project it. It's not. It's not the the, the purity no of it's not diluted. Yeah. Right. There's no committee deciding what the best thing to do is. You know. That, it's why. The best movies are made by, I guess, authoritarian kind mm-hmm. of presence. Dickheads. You know, say who just yeah. go, this is the way we do it. What if we, no, we don't. Mm-hmm. We don't do it that way. We do it the way I wanted it. And if it hits, it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least it's one, you know, point Voice, of view yeah. and one vision. And that's, you know, it's a collaborative thing. And that's why so much television fails and why so much, uh, so many movies fail. Mm-hmm. Even with the amount of money, like Waterworld, who went 
and decided it, on that. In that same team has a smaller budget, and years earlier go and they make this movie. What was it? Uh, Wendigo. It's not Wendigo. What was the movie that they made in Texas? Uh, the director of Waterworld and. and um, in the star, what was his name? Uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. They made this movie when they were younger in the 80s, and it wasn't called Wendigo. What was it called? Fandango. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was a good little movie. Well, you know? here's the problem. You give and then you get, yeah, and then, it, then, then you get this little management involved. Make right. you creative, right? right? And when you get like, oh, I've got, this was the most expensive movie of the time. I think yeah. it was like $150 mm-hmm. million. That's not a lot now. I mean, for the kind of scope of it. But it was stupid. Right. The story was stupid. There, everything was dumb. Like you just, and that is what gets me. Back to story, is I would spend half the budget on the script mm-hmm. to make sure it's perfect. You know, workshop it, do something. But everybody seems like they can come in and go, yeah, I, I want to say, like an actor can come and say, I, I don't feel right saying cat splash. Can I make up my own? And they're like, no. I mean, writers are the most right. downtrodden. Part of the whole process, and the most important part right. of the whole process, and and it, it's upsetting. But everybody has to have their voice because when when it comes time to justify the jobs, it's like you know that person's just going to been sitting there. I haven't heard them speak up in a while. It's cat you know? splash. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. No, I, I, I've had a note. I think it's, I've said the story. A I'm couple gonna drink times. some delicious I, uh, <laughs> diet, Dr. Diet Pepper. Dr. Pepper. I literally had a note once that it, you know when we were working on uh, on Singledom, the note was like, "What's a Halo?" And I was like, "Ah, it's a series about gamers." Yeah, you, what's a halo? Am I really going to send an email out explaining what halo is? Like, yeah, why are you working on this project? Well, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> why are you working on this? Please. What's a halo? What is a halo? The, the characters are saying halo a lot. What is a halo? Oh. Like, okay, we're going to talk about that. Uh, are they big fans court. of Charlie's Angels too? Oh my the, God! You know, we've got a big movie coming out this summer. How can we integrate it? It's um, no, uh, guys. Let's talk about the movie that came out this past weekend. I went to see it. It's got um, Liam Neeson in. It's called The Unknown. Oh, and it feels like you see in the trailers. It feels like Taken Two. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's going to go over like some foreign country. In this in this case, it's Germany. He goes to Berlin, and he's got some problem with identity. He's got to start finding out. Basically what happens in The Unknown, when it starts out, Liam Neeson and his wife, January Jones, are going for a medical summit, oh. or a scientific summit, to Berlin, right? And January Jones, you know, from Mad Men. She's a very Men, beautiful woman. She's a very beautiful woman, but Hollywood has taught us over time never to trust her. Yes. <laughs> so, a medical summit in Berlin, what are they? Not a medical summit. It was a, it was a, it was a scientific it summit. It was eugenics. And he's just a botanist. Right, but, oh. but he's a smart botanist. What well, could be more ineffective than that? In this uh, summit's like a collection of like the scientific leaders, and they're going to talk about helping the world out and, With, through botany and other and things. all that. So he he goes through this whole uh, he goes through, and the movie starts out. I don't think it's a, I don't think it was a good movie. I liked Taken, and I think that if I like that, I think too, Taken had it was some, a small story. Yeah. It had driven. some silly moments yeah. that were a bit like easy. Oh, now they're selling girls but, in a little uh, place so we can look at some hot babies. Yeah, like it had its silly moments, and this movie also has its silly moments, but it didn't have the entertainment value that Taken did. Well, uh, there was one great scene in Taken when he kind of walks into the middle of this kitchen with all these mm-hmm. crazy kind of well, you know, Europeans, yeah, and it's like. And it just goes in there, and you're like, "Wow, this." this you can is say scary. Soccer, you can say soccer fans. You won't offend anybody. I know they're basically no. Eastern European soccer fans, and they're all just sitting there, and he's like in the middle of them, and you're like, "Something's going to happen here." And <laughs> right. I love that tension, where you know that that stuff was great. And he in in Taken, he was totally. And, and I know that they're going to compare Taken to Unknown a lot, but in Taken, he's fully 
capable of everything. Like the dude is just a badass. And in this one, very early on in the movie, uh, the 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 movie has to work. So somebody who you're like, okay, he's a he's a leading scientist. He's a super smart guy. He's capable. He's intelligent. He leaves his briefcase with his passports at the airport when they get in the taxi to the hotel. And they go oh. to the hotel to check in. He realizes he's without his passports. Gets in a taxi without telling his wife who's in there checking in. He just jumps in another taxi to go back to the airport to pick up his briefcase with the passports in it. And uh, in doing so, this taxi gets into a traffic accident, goes off a bridge. He bumps his head. When he wakes up in the in the hospital, it's been like a handful of days. The the uh, medical the scientific summit still going on. He goes to the hotel. His wife no longer claims to like know, know who he, he is. is, and there's someone acting as him. And he's got to figure out what's going on. He's got memory loss issues. And it sets you up for this whole mistaken identity, who am I, I got to find out the people who are playing me type of storyline, which would be really, I think it would be really cool, but it started out with him being kind of a dumbass. <laughs> and, and so already you kind of don't respect the character. I also had a little bit of weirdness watching uh, a movie where like the, the main like scene that starts things off is Liam Neeson hitting his head and like going to the hospital and not knowing who he was? And I was kept thinking about Natasha Richardson and that whole situation. And I was like, what was Liam Neeson going through with this? And it really made me feel kind of sad for Liam Neeson, like watching this, yeah. Because the doctor's telling him about uh, you, you know, know contusions brain, yeah. and things like that, and I'm sitting there going, oh man, like he sat here listening to this <laughs> actor pretend to be a doctor telling him about what happened to his wife. And I'm sitting here going, oh man, what could, it? I mean, I would love to talk to Liam Neeson and be like, Liam, like, what was, like, this must have been intensely personal. And I wish, I like I, you're like, I want to drudge up. What no, 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 no. Well, well, it felt, it felt like being in this movie drudged up and the, I wish the movie was more successful if that's what he went through because the movie's not successful and it feels uh, really silly at times and there's a lot of things in the movie that work only to work like Hey, a super smart guy leaving his most important item at the airport, which you just don't... If you believe it, then you're going to believe that the guy's kind of a dummy the rest of the movie. And the movie's telling you he's not a dummy. The actions are telling you otherwise, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're already kind of behind the ball. You know, you're kind of already playing behind the, the story. Well, it's kind, of the, the, uh, it's kind of an old formula, though. I mean, it's like all the Jimmy Stewart movies that... Uh, right, like North that, by Northwest. Yeah, and everything yeah. where... I'm just a guy who's at this thing, and then suddenly everything's going crazy, and I don't need, I'm just a normal guy trying to, you know, and you're not a normal guy. Mm -mm. Like, I mean, Jimmy Stewart, it works because he is a normal guy. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart was an everyman. With Liam Neeson, it almost hurt that Taken came out first, because we all know him as the badass from Taken. Now, does he end up as a badass in this, and yeah, fighting I mean, people? I mean, watch the movie, because... Okay. I, I would say this movie is a Netflix, like a Sunday afternoon Netflix level. I don't think you guys should rush out to the theaters to get it to, to watch it, but it's got some sequences that I think are cool. It's got some action sequences and some car chases and stuff. Keep in mind, there are no cops in Berlin ever. Uh, no, it's a very <laughs> like, police light you area. You can pretty much no fucking one... run around and yeah. trash the place. It's well, Jason Bourne killed him. Yeah, Jason Bourne's wiped that place clean. I do love the Bourne. Berlin, Berlin is basically crazy taxi at like many yeah. points in the movie. <laughs> and, uh, Maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's like, we made Crazy Taxi the movie, and then they put in this scene where I lose my memory. Yeah. So it's no longer Crazy Taxi. And there's like this some, reminds me, yeah. of, from what you're saying, there's some Total Recall me, shit going on in the movie. It reminds me of yeah. a movie vaguely called Frantic with uh, yeah, Harrison Ford. 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 Yeah, I love yeah. Frantic. Where he goes, he's a doctor, they're mm -hmm. going to this summit. They kidnap his wife. His wife yeah. By mistake, 
Mm-hmm. She's not the person that he's not the person they think he is. Yeah. And now he's got to find her, like without being able to speak French, not knowing anything about Paris. So it's like they wanted to make a combination of regarding Henry and Frantic, but Harrison Ford said no. No. <laughs> regarding Frantic Frank. was re- Frantic was really good. Uh, but th- I mean, that's a master filmmaker. Well, yeah. there's you another movie. I mean? Like I love him, uh, Polanski. Polanski. Right. And the one that came out that I think is surprisingly good is The Ghost Rider. And I don't think people went. It. People went, but the Ewan McGregor one. Yeah, I did see Ghost Rider. I was thinking of that fucking shit that what's her name made <laughs> Ghost Riders <laughs> about. Uh, oh, people. What's her name? Boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. Oh, teaching uh, the kids at the school. <laughs> the the uh, horse face girl. Um, How oh, dare you? I think she's very pretty. She's beautiful. She's yeah, a beautiful. She's a beautiful man, woman. Yeah, <laughs> she's, but audiences just don't want to see her unless he's like. But Ghost Rider was interesting until the very end when I felt like it kind of started falling into convention. But Ghost oh, Rider, yeah. the setup Ghost Rider was great, and it was atmospheric and yeah. weird. And that place, it was at, um, like very stark, and mm-hmm. nothing was around. And she was great, the the wife. Who's... You know, our listeners are all going. Did you guys watch Ghost Rider the, with Polanski? The, the Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, go, oh. Guys, that movie in completely different. You know what's funny though? Uh, you know why what? we're here? Yeah. You just said Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Just make some of the worst movies of all yeah. time. How about National Treasure? I, you know what? I, I won't watch those movies. It should makes I? me should angry. I? Should I move? Okay, it makes you angry. I should not it, watch it those movies. It infuriates me. Sean, I, I, I purposely not seen those movies. Well, because they're stupid. Okay, and the good, thing good, is, good. it's like the Da Vinci Code for dumb people, which is already for which dumb people. Which is what people. I thought it was, right. The Da Vinci Code, <laughs> code for dumbers. You know, and it's like, if it's that easy to steal the Constitution no of the shit. United States... Let's all do it. Let's do it every day. I think there are morons walking around. I don't know if we want a Canadian saying, let's <laughs> Well, it's easy. Why? The There's nothing left of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, a bunch of morons went to see that movie, and then right, they're like at Walmart or something checking out, and they go, wait, wait, let me hold on to that dollar. Let me see that. Checking oh, for clues. Oh. Yeah, this one's good. What? You can take it. They were Masons. But here's the thing. <laughs> they get to the very end, and it's like the Mason's treasure. The Mason's treasure. Yeah. Thing. What's it going to be? Some wisdom? Something that is Go ahead and ruin transcends. it for me, because I've never seen this fucking okay, movie. Okay, transcends right. uh, mere wealth. No, right. it's just a lot of treasure. Like, it's just a <laughs> giant amount of treasure <laughs> hidden under Wall Street. Like, no one's built 500,000 subway trains. Like, there are fucking mole right people through there. there. Like, there's not mole people running through New York City every no, fucking day. No, there's an Egyptian temple down there. Filled Holy with shit. coins and gold and Roman... Are you kidding me? It's like this nice Templar treasure and shit like it's that? It's asinine. New York it, City has to be as deep most, as it is vertical. Yeah, yeah. There's the most mined, driven through, tunneled through area on the planet. Wow. And there's a secret temple. I and the rope and wood elevator works. Yeah, the rope that's and right. Wood elevator and it's works. been there for 400 years. So it's, yeah, it's completely <laughs> Like, there aren't rats that fucking chew no, all that shit. It doesn't just lunch. dissolve. <laughs> I mean, that's the world. It happens. Anyway. And then the second one, the second one, there's another <laughs> treasure. The magic book of the presidents that has that all these secrets. I can't believe you watched the first one that went on. Because I watched them on a plane. <laughs> okay, okay. And I'm... And, uh... What happens in the second the one? The second please. one, they end up at... <laughs> Mount uh, Rushmore, I think. Mount Rushmore! <laughs> and there's a treasure there! There's more treasure there. In Mount Rushmore. <laughs> they didn't find the Team America 
folks no, living in Mount Rushmore? No, that would have been great. That, that would have been, been great. Right. They get in there and all of a sudden they hear this, America! Do, 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 Which do. is a fucking great movie. That is one of the best movies <laughs> ever made. Did you get to see, uh, we, we have a mashup on the site. It's the Captain America Super Bowl spot. Oh. And it got mashed up with the Team America, America Fuck Yeah song. Ugh. Timed out perfectly, almost like it was meant How do you feel about fun. the Captain America as a Canadian? Like, are you intimidated at any point by Captain America maybe? No. Uh, becoming like the biggest thing in the world. Are you I don't think so no? because he seems like a silly man. Okay, he's a, silly, <laughs> a silly hero. He's, he's never a, he's been a, one of my and favorites. And he's a drug user. Yeah, well, he's yeah. got if this. If not for drugs, he's nobody. Yeah, he's got this what enriched kind of body situation. Does he like a serum? Probably. He's, I don't know. All our stars are either Canadian he's or, or British. Pilgrim, so I kind of just assume. Yeah, no, everyone no. is. You guys can, yeah, no. Um, guys, I think you guys have been laughing off your ass at this point with our good buddy Sean. I got to tell you guys right now, you can continue laughing. Keep the laughter Keep going. Keep the laughing going. Uh, Sean brought us these two uh, great CDs. It's Sean Cullen Live. Where did you record this? Oh, uh, in the Rivoli in Toronto. It's a little club that the kids in the hall started in and all kinds of comics have come out of there but i mean we've got here on the on the back of the picture it's you uh chilling with a guy on a guitar so you, dancing, you, you guys dancing. are dancing uh, fun. Where, can, where, where, can we, where can we pick this up you can pick it up on itunes mm -hmm. uh, or you can order it i think from cd baby or from any of like uh, my website seancullen.com that sort of thing if you guys are listening to this on iTunes just click on over why not just turn the you know you keep this running go over there and just start downloading Sean's album because yeah. he's got another one here called I Am A Human Man now who put this one out uh, that was me again mm -hmm. I mean I, I, I'm, who Let's is see. the company you know MAPL yeah Maple mm -hmm. no somebody it's distributed in America I think we've got and it's also on iTunes and uh it's fun. It's all songs, and uh, and they've each got like twenty plus tracks. So. Well, yeah. And, and don't tell them how short the tracks are. Okay. But I mean, that's a lot of comedy. Uh, you guys, I mean, you guys are laughing at his ass. I, I hope you guys are laughing right now. I, I think they're all so. laughing. But uh, some of them but, are but definitely, guys, support our guests. Go out there and get the Sean Cullen albums. How many yeah. albums? Are these the only two, two albums two you right have? now? You guys could start on the ground floor. Yeah, you can do it. I find it very interesting. <laughs> Your Wikipedia page. Uh, it seems like a bare naked ladies fan got in there and just went off because a big portion of your wikipedia page is talking about how you toured with them and, and well they, i do they well, here's the story with the bare naked ladies they're like na na naked ladies are they like green day in canada are they are well they very popular? it's kind of weird are they you still know? popular are they rush no they're not rush they're not no rush. one is rush no. but rush okay okay the men uh but they are uh they kind of became quite popular and they're kind of at a medium level now. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, people, as soon as you they're become popular, a there's a backlash level. in Canada. You, they'll let you have one, and then they'll cream you. Oh, and then right, they went right, to right. America. Oh, you're not cool anymore. Yeah, right. yeah, that sort of thing. Tall poppy syndrome, we call mm -hmm. it. So they're doing fine, but uh, they were... Um, the Steve Page and Ed Robertson came to one of our shows as Corky and the Juice Pigs, and they asked if they asked to listen to an, a tape of theirs. This is really early on. And then they uh, toured with us for a year. They they came on tour opening for us. And then, they opened for you? Wow. Yeah, and then they put together a band, and they t totally <clears throat> took everything. It happened, right. Yeah, and they got it all done. And then uh, I just did a couple of things with them. I did a Christmas tour with them, doing just comedy and singing a couple songs. 
And uh, that was a few years ago. And then uh, I would do the Bare Naked Ladies cruises up to this last one. What? Uh, I didn't know cruise. they had cruises. Yeah, yeah they play with Guster and... I like Guster a lot. I do like Guster. I saw, yeah. When Guster opened for them, and I think it was the 2001 tour, that's the first show I caught of them live. Now, now, yeah. now what Walton's doing here is say, is doing the I knew them first, but Walton, if you are playing that game, I have you beat and I'll tell you what happened. No, no, I'm no, saying no, please, I like them please. and I'm please. giving context as to please. where I saw please. them first. I'm not saying I Let saw me tell them you something. Who, this, Guster? This is crazy. Mm. Back when they were known as Gus, this is summer 95, Jesus. maybe 96, they played my summer camp. I went to like a college prep summer camp during the summers in Wellesley, Massachusetts, and they played for us. And Looked I was good. joking beforehand. They, they were just like a, a regular band, like a kids, like, like a bunch of kids playing bands like they would in a rec hall. And they came to play for us. And I was joking with them ahead of time. And I said, and they were like, "Oh, do you play an instrument?" And I said, "Yes, I play the triangle." It was a lie. Yeah, a complete lie. They called me up during the show. There I was in front of my entire camp, and they produced a triangle, and I played it with a spoon. And yeah, they uh, loved it. and and they were the nicest guys, and I was like, man, Guster. They they were still Gus at the time, but they had to change their name, I guess, for like a whole thing. It was crazy. And then yeah, I see that they're blowing up, and and yeah, I mean, I would see how a tour like that or like a a cruise like that would be huge. Well, it was it's fun. I mean, it's just all fans. And, and everybody's nice, and the like the bands are nice, and their nice fans people. are nice. So you're not gonna get some guy who's like, hey, comedian, bring the music. Like some, they're not gonna be a bunch of drunken no, assholes. No, no, it's a nice. And because that's gotta be tough being comedy before. Yeah, well, uh, it's always tough doing before a music. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people are in a mood to see music, and mm-hmm. it's very hard to get through to them. But yeah, it's always very nice, very fun. You travel around the Caribbean, have a good time. It was good, and so that's how I know them. Huh? That's I played awesome. Tyler, who's the drummer, and I play on a hockey team in Toronto. I gotta wonder if there's ever a, an accidental people getting booked for the bare naked ladies cruise, not realizing it's the band. <laughs> Could you it's imagine all just that? naked women on this cruise? Yeah, it's like welcome to the bare naked ladies cruise. We're- Oh, you end up with like a bunch of fifty-year-old like naked lesbians just ready to party. Awesome, like awesome. The, the, the boat would leave. The boat would go. Like, the cruise would not be canceled from that instance. People would do it. It would become a huge party, but then you would then definitely have hecklers and, and drunken yeah, beer. Yeah, people, people like, absolutely. Hey, get off the yeah. yeah you would bring it back the lesbians, please. Mm-hmm. They would shout. I could see how that could be a, a good mix-up, and, and so you you've got these two CDs. Uh, mm-hmm. People are enjoying them, right? Right. And then uh, on top of that, you were talking about you as a, as a writer. You were talking about your writing, mm. which leads us to Hamish X. Hamish X. Hamish X and the Cheese Pirates. This is a, that was a, my first book. This is your first book. Yeah, I've written five books. Jesus Christ! Did Three you of this? this series about a kid named Hamish X was these boots that are permanently welded onto his feet and he fights against cheese pirates in this one pirates who fly around on a zeppelin and steal cheese but uh anyway that's a, it's a pretty weird kind of raw dolly kind of story very odd and uh <laughs> this is awesome and then there's there's three of these and you find out more about him and what he's all about and he fights against this group called the oda the orphan disposal agency uh-huh. who are these kind of weird otherworldly um, gray dudes called the gray agents and they uh, take kids and shuttle them around the world to whoever wants to exploit you know kids for labor or whatever they're Thai yeah they're Thai man got it Thai gentlemen and uh, so they're this (laughs) evil organization I think we're banned there yeah this is a totally uh, it's kind of a it's a not really a fantasy story it's more of a science fiction Mm -hmm. kind of weird epic travels of this kid who's named Hamish X who escapes from every orphanage he's put in and uh, in the first book he, uh, he there's he's working at a cheese factory in the Arctic 
where they make caribou blue cheese and it's very potent and hallucinogenic almost and it's very expensive and so they all have to work in there making this cheese for this evil man named Viggo Mortensen who's the cheese <laughs> master and then one day all these cheese pirates show up and they've been robbing all the great cheese makers of the, uh -huh. of the uh, world and they're flying around in their zeppelin and Cheesebeard whose beard is made of cheese uh, the, the captain he takes them all and uh, they sounds awesome they, they're kidnapped except for three of them Hamish X and his two friends and they try to get them back here's the thing I'm listening to you talk and having known you Sean I'm like oh that sounds great because Sean's like you know we, we know Sean now we, we, get, we get what Sean's about we're like oh man I can see how Sean would really knock that out of the park in any other, there's a universe where you are homeless and rambling. I know <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. There is an alternate universe. There it's, it's actually any, this one. The, <laughs> the other universe, like, this is caught on in a big way. I, I mean, halfway through your your description, I was like, this sounds really awesome. Holy shit, he's insane. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. Ghost right, the golden compass. I wish. <laughs> I wish I had. And the second series is called uh, The Prince of Neither Here Nor There series. New characters. Yes. And, uh, well, Hamish is my 10-year-old son, mm -hmm. so I wrote these books for him. Oh, great. And my second son is Brendan, who's now three, and it's, uh, it's a character named Brendan, who's a teenager going to school, a private, it's kind of like a nerd school, private mm -hmm. school for smarties. You're doing fan fiction for your kids. Yeah. Okay, and, uh, got so, it. Just letting well, just, just letting I mean, them know I like them. Right, okay. So Brendan is 14, he finds out... He's going to school, he's a big nerd school, he's a nerd in a nerd school, so he's like not really well put together, he's braces, <laughs> he's, he's got glasses, he's the whole you're thing. You're cursing your son, <laughs> right. this is what you're going to grow into? But he's absolutely right. not right. like this. Right. But uh, he uh, finds out that he's not a human, he's actually a fairy who was put in a human family uh, by uh, his kind of his father, real father, and he's put in an orphanage and then picked up by kid these this family and raised as their own. But now that he's fourteen, all of his powers are starting to manifest. All of the things mm -hmm. he can do. So a bit about puberty, a bit about duck, uh, ugly. We're coming of age and right. being a yeah, and uh, his family, his real family, start coming out of the woodwork. The thing is, the the conceit of the story, I guess, is that there's a fairy world that lives, exists, coincides with our own, and fairies live and work and have jobs and do everything, but they have extra powers and they can do things. And uh, they live in our cities and there are things only they can see, but we can't, mm -hmm. and they're existing all the time. And so uh, he finds out that this, this happens, is happening, and he uh, has to kind of decide to be, stay with his human family or become right. a, a full-fledged member of another world, basically. Wow. I mean, in, in you said earlier, just like creating a world in D and D and all this, like yeah, yeah. led to this. And we have a lot of aspiring writers and some established writers in our audience. Um, what made what, what, like was the comedy what led to the books, or is it two different well, parts of your own mind? Well, what happened was or? I was doing a radio show for the CBC, which is Canadian Broadcasting mm -hmm. Corporation, and uh, I was doing a radio show every Saturday morning for a little while, and they said. Uh, it used to be on on Saturday mornings in the summertime. People would be driving to their cottages listening to this. And uh, one of the, we'd play music, you know, mm -hmm. alternative music and stuff, and, and I'd ramble in between the songs. Sure. And when uh, the Penguin, who's my publisher, yeah. found out that uh, Penguin, the woman who, Barbara Burson, who was at that time the children's editor, 
she was sitting with her son driving up in the car every weekend and he'd be laughing and liking the show so she thought, you well, do I, voices and so well like I do a lot of yeah. weird things yeah, yeah. I do this character called old world grandpa who's like very old man who talk <laughs> what it's a hot day what do you do curl, curl around the toilet sister it's cooler you get cool. And was it a kid-centric show? No, or, it was but, but the kid totally for right, adults, yeah. but not, not, you know, it's just odd. Yeah, not Randy or anything. No, like that, yeah. creepy. But uh, she thought, well, he, he's, my son's responding to his stuff. Maybe we should ask him to mm -hmm. see if he'd write books. And at that time, I was divorcing from my first wife, and I was not seeing Hamish very much. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well... I'm going to make this character about him, right. so we'll have something in common. It's like a healing process? A healing process of cheese. <laughs> no, but like a healing process and, well, and, writing, and a love know, letter at it the gave, same time. Yeah, it gives yeah. you something to hang in on to. So that's why it started. I guess it all comes out of my, everything has come out of my stand-up career. And now I'm, um, you know, I get to write these books. It's pretty exciting. That is awesome. Time. So it wasn't like when you were a kid and, and you were playing D&D, and once again, your dungeon master yells at you. He's like, "Damn it! If you keep calling in cheese pirates, <laughs> no, yeah, out. Yeah, no, this no, is no, nothing that came like out that." Of your love for your son, and yes, and I love books. I mean, I've, when I started reading, my first book that I remember reading—well, there were lots of picture books, but the first chapter book is *The Hobbit*. So I'm a nerd. No, I got to tell you, and, and uh, we'll keep getting personal nerd. here with the, with the geesecapists. Uh, the summer that my father and mom divorced. We were, I, I, as a kid, I spent months in Mexico with my mom, and my dad would come and visit and stuff like that. And we would drive sometimes from from Texas down to Mexico, and spend like a month with my grandparents. And the summer that my, my parents divorced, my father gave me The Hobbit, and I was on like it was like a Subaru, I think that we we drove from Austin down to Guadalajara, and you know I got in the back of the Subaru on like all of the luggage, and I read The Hobbit all the way down. It's you a know. Great book. And I read it on the way back, mm -hmm. and it was such a healing process for me. This journey that took me away from like whatever pain I was in as yeah. a twelve-year-old or oh, yeah. a ten-year-old, whatever pain I was going through, this book just kind of just made it easier, mm -hmm. you know. And and for you, you were you know the world that you knew was crumbling, <laughs> and here you are putting it together, you know. Yeah, well, this woman called up. And it just happened to be at the it right time. Happened to be at the right time. Uh huh. You were probably like Mel Gibson at the beginning of uh, of uh, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, where yep. he's like eating dog food and has like a gun in his mouth, a and all, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden the phone rings. Good thing the phone didn't like startle you and oh, putting pow, the, the pow. bullet through the top. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you were probably at a low point emotionally, and here you are putting this world together. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It is okay to cry on Geekscape, Sean. Yeah, like, don't, I don't. don't I, by the way, I cry as I meow. The audience cries during the show. Yeah. I don't see why we can't. No, I know. Please, you let's know. all cry. Together. <laughs> so, guys, mm -hmm. Hamish X and the Cheese Pirates. You, you guys want to pick this up? Yeah, you can get it. It's not a, a, uh, distributed in America yet, but uh, it's on Amazon. You can get it, and the, the second series is on uh, Kindle for the Kindlers. Cool. Yeah, we've got a ton of e-readers. Yes, I love the e-reading. That's awesome. Yes, guys, this is what the book looks like. You want to pick it up? All right, give it a try. Um. Any thoughts about adapting it into a comic? Well, a comic, a movie. Uh, like, I love that, to. That sounds like yeah. it would visually be an awesome graphic novel. I would love it. Let's do it. Who do, who do I call? We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. Um, guys, we're talking about adaptations. Uh, Michelle Gondry is supposedly adapting a uh, Philip K. Dick book called. Uh, am I doing this right? Ubik, Ubik. Okay. 
Um, I don't know. I'm not a big reader of Philip K. Dick. I know that another one of his adaptations is coming out in theaters, uh, coming up with the... Uh, what is Scanner it? Darkly. You know, he, Scanner Darkly. Now he's got this... Um, what was this oh, one? Come on. Paycheck was his. It's, <laughs> Paycheck. It's hit or miss. <laughs> what, what, what's this one with uh, Matt Damon that's uh, coming out? The uh, oh, Adjustment Bureau that. and stuff like that. that they don't seems always. Far they, they seem. They, I mean, his stuff is so like heady and weird. Sometimes it makes it bad. It, it makes well, it hard. Well, Blade the thing Runner about Blade, I think I think about it, it's Phil K. Dick's. It's, it's it's allegory a lot of mm-hmm. it. like about the information age and about control and about uh, you know mental. Editing. I haven't you read know. a lot of it. I'll just go to the comic book. Yeah, if but there's I, a comic book, I'll read that. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I love my. I think one of my favorite, if not well, top three or four movies is Blade Runner, mm-hmm. the original one. That yeah. doesn't have that it has the man. For you. No, well, I love the. Uh, I don't really like the director's cut. Oh, really? And I don't like the. Uh, Unicorn running around. I kind of don't <laughs> like that. I, you I, know, that, that was uh, that was actually uh, from. Um, Legend. It was. It was well, a B-roll from over. Legend. Yeah, oh, that's a great movie. Yeah, and uh, you know, I just it's it's brilliant. It's a noir, future noir, and beautiful. Uh-huh. And that was probably the best story that could be adapted into a film about right. people. And I think Philip K. Dick's stuff is more about the process than uh, the story in a lot of ways. We'll yeah. see. We'll see what Michelle Gondry does with it, though. I've loved Michelle Gondry's movies because they're so visual and in, you know interesting mm. on that level, and they do. They don't hit you over the head with a lot of their ideas. They just no. kind of leave it to you and yeah. give you this dream. And then when you wake up from it and you leave the theater, you think about your dream. I think that's kind of what sunk through a scanner darkly, though. I think that... You wanted something to mm-hmm. chew on, like something to guide you I through this I didn't see world. it. That was the one that, uh, that yeah, the it's animated what, Like, yeah. you know what? The animated... When you do that, I just go, why is... it's This whole movie is about looking at this technique. Mm-hmm. It's not about the characters or... Or anything. Right. It's kind of like that's the gimmick. And, and Richard Linklater didn't enough. do it again. You know what no. I mean? Like he, he did that one movie and then he he got the technique and then he used it on Scanner Darkly and then Richard Linklater stopped doing it. It was where he filmed the movie and he went through and, and animated the whole thing. Yeah. Or went through and like replaced it. I think there's so much interpretation and being able to put your own thoughts into Philip K. Dick's novels. Like yeah. it's, it's really much, you can take what you want from it that. That's why you can get such a wide variety of films from it. Sure. Because at that you can point, pick which part of it you want to exploit. Like you're, like <laughs> when when you're watching Paycheck, you're not <laughs> watching what Bill Kaye wrote at all. You're no. watching what a screenwriter decided to make out of it. Yeah. And it his. And also, like, what's the other one? Mo- Morale. Uh, Minority, Minority Report. Report. Another yeah. one. And I'm just like. That's dumb. Yeah, my, the way they did yeah. it was all again. Look at my. I can have this floating yeah, yeah. Uh, thing. It wasn't about it was the idea. Of, it was about the and rolling an eyeball down the stairs. And I, I guess That's like dumb. it was Max von Sydow. Like he gives it away at the end. He's like, oh, did I just give you the whole? You know, it's like yeah. silly. Um, guys, casting news: Adrian Palicki, who we last saw in like she's on what. She was on Friday show Night Lone Lights. Star on Fox that got was she on Friday Night Lights? She was on Friday Night Lights. And then in, in a movie that we love, Legion, starring Tyrese. Uh, Doug Jones. It, Doug Jones is in that movie too, but he has not been cast as Wonder I Woman. I love Doug Jones. Adrian has been cast as Wonder Woman. And uh, I just saw Adrian Palicki in this movie called Electrolux. Oh, God, that's a good movie. Yeah. We differ. Dude, I, we no, differ. I, I know. I know. I like that I know. director. I like women in trouble. Uh, I know you do. But that, that's more about you than the movie. Uh, yeah, Wonder Woman. <laughs> but and she's been cast in David E. Kelly's Wonder Woman pilot. So we'll see. 
how that's uh, a new series. Yeah, well, it's a pilot, so we'll see what happens. Mm. But David E. Kelly is doing Wonder Woman for Warner I Brothers. I really, well, now you know this is my generation, but I thought. Uh, Sharon Carter? Uh, Linda, Linda Carter. Carter. Linda Carter. Was the most beautiful Wonder mm -hmm. Woman of all time. Like, she was amazing. That, that's uh, funny you say that. I just made a list for my other Ranker, job. yeah. He made this list of 15. Top 13, 13. Uh, women uh, to ever wear the Wonder Woman costume. Right. Number one is by far Rachel Bilson in the OC. All right. Uh, but Linda Carter is in my top five. She's in top five, yeah. Uh, Erica Drantz wore a Wonder Woman esque costume on Smallville last year and very oh. attractive in it. Uh, but Rachel Bilson, if you did, you ever watch the OC? I don't know. It, it that scene is very much the turning point where you realize you're watching a show about a geek getting a girl, and that's what the show turned into. The rest of the show. Well, the writer, and the creator of the show. I mean, the creator of the show. Uh, what is his name? Shorts. No, no the, the, the guy who wrote on it. He he ended up writing like some of the best Avengers Young stuff. Avengers. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, so you could tell there were a lot of geeks' hands in it. Um, speaking of comics, guys, I got to tell you guys about my buddy John Arcudi's book, A God Somewhere. Um, John wrote this book. It, the artwork is by this guy Peter Snezberg. I know I butchered that, so let's just accept that I butchered that. Sorry, Peter. Sorry, John. Uh, it's called A God Somewhere. I found out about it a couple months ago, and it came out this past summer. And it's a book that kind of does an approach. It's published by Wildstorm. The approach is what if someone you knew got superpowers? How would it affect that circle of friendship? You know what I mean? Um, and then on a macro level, if a, if a normal human got superpowers, how would it affect them? Especially on like a psychological level because a lot of superhero stuff like that where it's like a normal person gets superheroes, it's like, okay, how would it affect them socially? They'd go and help social problems. But... Would it not just totally destroy you on a psychological level For to sure. be elevated well, this to the, the superhuman level? Well, this is the beauty of Superman. Like it, he has all these powers, and he's but that's his socialized. Yeah. yeah, but but he's socialized right. as a child to underplay <laughs> these and to have a good, uh, be a good person. Right. And when you just drop in someone into this world, what would they do? Just like do anything. You can't stop me. Right, and you've got these you've got these two brothers and their friend Sam and they, they you know, they've been friends from high school, they're close. Uh, it, but you know, Sam and, and this this uh, character who gets the powers mm. are working as like delivery guys for UPS. You know what I mean? And they're all normal guys. They want to go in together on a boat. And it's and John's doing like a really good job of just painting like a really realistic relationship talking about normal mundane things these are these people are normal and you see how their history is and it was and it's so realistic you know and these characters are talking and acting in a very realistic way and then there's the an accident and people are killed and this person leaves the accident unscathed and it turns out he starts to have powers and as he explores those powers first for good it starts to have a really detrimental effect on him psychologically and things go really bad and I'm sitting here looking at this book and I won't ruin it for you guys too much but there is some horrific stuff in this book that this character becomes capable of simply because like unlike Superman he wasn't uh, able to start you know to accept these powers and, and grow into them uh, they hit him like a brick, and it's awesome. And just watching this book, I mean, this guy Peter Snezberg, I'll go ahead and ruin his name again. Sorry about that, Pete. Um, the artwork's 
horrific at some points and then really touching at others and you get really human elements and then you get I mean I looked away from this book at some points where uh, some of the stuff on on the page is so <laughs> horrific it's really fucking me up um, and it that's why I recommend the book uh, if you guys want to read a book that will leave you with a bunch of impact and something to think about uh, A God Somewhere by Wildstorm I would get it off of Amazon or get it wherever you go to your local comic book store uh, and order the book and see if they, they can order it for you because it's definitely worth reading especially if you guys like thinking about the headiness of what would happen about us you know how we geeks spend yes. our day we sit there at traffic lights going okay what would happen what audience are you talking to if you want the headiness I know I know, I know. Geekscapists there are Geekscapists in there who you know you guys know who you are I definitely recommend the book you know and then like months later I'll get a, an email from a kid who's like hey what was that book you, you were talking about where this and this happened I've done that to you before yeah and I'm down with that like you guys need any more advice for stuff to read just send me an email it's easy enough to uh, where can people follow you follow me uh, they can go to uh, seancullen.com seancullen.com you can follow me on twitter at, at Mr. Sean Cullen mm-hmm. all lowercase or whatever it is. and is it Mr. spelled out or is it just the M-R-S-E-A-N-C-U-L-L-E-N yeah. I have a Facebook uh, fan page uh, I think it's slash Sean Cullen now hopefully as you guys are listening to this on your computers you guys are like clicking through and doing all these things Meow. and starting to follow Sean alright I mean that diatribe you had about uh, natural treasure is one of the uh, national treasure is one of the fucking funniest things I hate things it <laughs> I hate that I mean, you know what's really upsets me is like, I don't know. I get so upset. Don't hold back. No, because I love science fiction. Right. I, I love uh, speculative fiction. I love fantasy. I love all that stuff. I love comics. And and when I see something so dumb <laughs> passed off as that, it makes me angry. Like science fiction, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, there's it's so... All you have to do to make a good science fiction thing, a science fiction movie, is to have good characters that have something to accomplish. Right. And that's and all that science fiction does is pick out one thing that and, and blow it up to a level that you have to deal with it like, that you never would have had to in, a, in the real world, right. say. It's just a, it's separating it from the context. Putting a context, human being into this in a Distancing the context yeah. a bit so you and, can look at it. And this is like... like <laughs> The first no, well, I, I'm very okay. terrible at articulating yeah. myself. But Indiana Jones, when the first movie came out, it was beautiful. Right. It was a beautiful film because it's about a character you like, uh, and it's it's simple a, goal. A simple goal, and it's about something bigger than human. You right. know, and like the Ark of the Covenant. Faith and this and that. Right. This is so disappointing. National treasure. The, so okay, disappointing yeah. on every level. <laughs> it's about dumb characters who are doing stupid things that are completely implausible. I buy the implausibility when I like the character. Right. You know, I will. And, you know, you make a lot of excuses for that. You know, when, when you... You when forgive you carry, a lot. Yeah, yeah you forgive, you forgive a, lot. a lot. And uh, But to find at the end that the, the Templars, this uh, spiritual group bent on the betterment of humankind, the only treasure they had is a bunch of goblets. <laughs> That's the treasure. There's no wisdom to be offered here. It's like McDonald's Just prizes. goblets that we've accumulated over several thousand years and dragged from place to place. Well, another book series had already had the Knights Templar treasure. Uh, it was, was the last descendant of Jesus. So what was that? That that was the Dan Brown book. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I ain't gotta was, fucking well, do that I, shit. It's like I'm going to write a book. I need. I need I'm a not reading it. The Knights Templar. Nobody knows shit about them. 
they're my, they're but they, my people. Uh, is there another group that's been more mined for a conspiracy than the I gotta tell you. Templar? Yeah. did it, but they did it well. Yeah, they yeah. did it, and it was about something else. Like when that when that goblet, you have to pick the goblet. This looks like a carpenter's cup. That's a beautiful yeah. choice. Uh, the last uh, Indiana Jones movie. Horrible. Fucking awful. Because you can't make... Well, Soviets somehow get away with a lot. Like, Nazis are great to use as a... Uh, not great, but used to use as a villain. Because right. they're despicable. And their point of view is awful. <laughs> right? And they should be punished. And you can kill them and it's great. And people laugh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the Soviets somehow... They failed in a way that was kind of sympathetic. You know what I mean? Like it they went away. Bankrupt. Even though there are 120 million people killed yeah. by Stalin, right? People still walk around with like a Soviet hat on and, and go like, "Hey, hands, yeah. isn't it fun to be?" In a no, it's not. I right. mean, I don't get it. I don't understand why <laughs> that's okay, and you can't walk around with a Nazi suit on. <laughs> it's the same. He killed more people than the Nazis, and I don't understand it. So. It's anyway, he romanticized the whole communism. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. communism is about you know, so is so is Nazism. It's about people working together for the future. Wrong. But he took it and fucking retarded it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> totally <laughs> mess. Anyway, uh, what am I talking about? Uh, it's I, I the just crystal hated, skull. If you don't dare, I kissed dare this so. crystal skull. I wrote a pretty big expose like when that movie came out. Like it was like I was just like sat down for like three hours, and my wife would come in and be like, "No, no, no, don't talk to me right now. I'm writing about Crystal Skull." Where I just ripped down the movie and how stupid it was, and how it was the first Indiana Jones movie where, for the majority of the film, he had what they wanted and took it exactly where they wanted it to go. It was like Indiana Jones was sitting on a sideline of a football game and they were like, "You, we need you to throw in the game." He got the ball and ran it into his own field like end zone. Yeah, I know. You know, and you when you have a you character that smart does but something that over stupid, three films you've talked you about how great it. this guy is and now he's a moron. He kept forgiving the Ray Winstone character and every time you're just like, "Oh, Indy, you're an idiot." I'm okay does that make with sense? That movie Are we okay with time? Yeah, we got we got seven minutes. Okay. I'm okay with that movie for one reason. It made Temple of Doom good. Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom's a shit. It made him, but it, but it made it better. No, yeah. they like, eat monkey brains. The movie's like, good. Like, like I mean, really, like you eat monkey brains, you have a mine car race, and then the guy goes, "The stones will be found. You will not." And the movie's good. That's yes, all I needed. It takes Shia LaBeouf to make Short Round awesome to me. Yes, Short Round's a shit. Short Round was a goonie. He's got no problems. It really, with me. I don't know. It's just. All of the, the two, those two guys, George Lucas, uh, Spielberg, Spielberg yeah. anybody who goes back you know, on their earlier successes and fixes them That's in a awful. way that upsets me. Like it just, I find it's edit your own self. Like right. who asked you to go back and take the guns out of the hands of the people in E.T. and replace them with, with walkie-talkies? Uh, who, yeah. who asked you to do that? Universal did. You, well, you think so? Universal yeah. actually asked. For I that. bet they, I, you know, but he's Steven Spielberg. He can just say. No. no, that's true. No, I don't have to do that. But he's, that, but the way they just kind of went. They oh, to put it children, in toys. They I want to. I want to sell yeah. toys to kids, and they, and just editing yourself, <laughs> going back and taking the first Star Wars movie that was so beautiful, <laughs> and there are moments where it's stark. You're on. Oh, uh, an empire. Uh, yeah. Well, and and the first movie yeah. where there you see C three PO and uh, 
R2-D2 are kind of going through this in the sand yeah. away from the escape pod and it's so it looks like it lives it's living in the real world right. and uh, when they're going and R2 is kind of going through and all the little Jawas are coming yeah. out to kind of grab him and it's scary and he's afraid and he's not hovering in the air He's in not that like, Tuscan Raider when he jumps up in front of the camera, I used to be scared of that for so long. And yeah. the way it kind of repeats, <laughs> kind of yeah. yeah. And the uh, and, and then when they do, yeah, it was very good. And then when you go see um, Dantooine in the town, mm-hmm. and it's there's nothing there. It's a dump. Mm-hmm. It's a total dump. But in the new one, he puts in all of these things flying in the air. It's yeah. crazy. And it's yeah, like, he cleans up Mos Eisley, totally. and I'm like, and now it's a happening fucking place? No, it's, not a, it's a dump with villainy. nothing going on. That's like, the point. Why would like, Skywalker want to leave? There's booze and hookers. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> eh, it makes me upset. I, 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 and I, and I don't understand why you have to do that. Do well, uh, well, 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 what I'm going to tell you is, uh, since you planned your, your kids' futures fictitiously, I'm going to tell you, when this gets adapted into film, and we just start retconning the shit out of it, and like, it's like, it, uh, what do you think about Hamish X and the Pepsi-Cola pirates? Well, what do you they, think? Like, they go around yeah. and find think about the, think about the money. delicious cakes <laughs> by Hostess. <laughs> about Spielberg wanting to remake Duel not go back and fix it but like he wants to remake it well it's a good story but I'm tired of people having to mind the past well the story's been done so much it's like the guy's trying to kill me I won't let him kill him yeah, like, like it's like a chase movie it was a good movie though Dennis Weaver it's a good movie but, uh, but I have to say can anybody come up with a new idea can anybody like write a new show oh can anybody do we have to go back and make Hawaii Five-0 again what was so compelling about it that we wanted it in the Well, first place? I wanted it with some Scott Conn in it. I really thought the Scott Conn was missing in the well, first Well, that's for sure. That, the James Conn is what was missing from the original Vegas. Guys, we're talking critically about a lot of stuff. What is, oh, Walton, before you forgot, Walton, uh, what, Walton got me a gift this week, and you guys will get a laugh out of this. Mayhem, baby. Starts from the baby. Uh, we, we make a lot of Tyrese jokes on the show, especially because this comic is uh, unreadable at its best. Um, but he, you were nice. Where did you get a Mayhem shirt for me, buddy? Uh, meltdown. Uh, we, I was helping out Jillian with an event, and she came up with that. Know that I will wear the shit out of this Mayhem shirt, and uh, I will be wearing it at WonderCon. We're going to be at WonderCon in uh, San Francisco first weekend of April. We have a, a pretty sweet booth there. You guys are welcome to join us. If you're still making plans for your spring uh, convention circuit, come out to WonderCon and hang out with the Geekscapists. We'll also be at San Diego. Got a, got a couple of cool guests that we'll we got cool guests. We'll be announcing soon. Oh, and they're uh, going to be signing at our booth? Yeah. yeah oh, Walton behind the scenes. I, I will be looking for Wilford that memo. Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley would be huge. Actually, you know it's, why? It's, it's not Wilford Brimley. It's Sean Cullen no. as Wilford Brimley. <laughs> you know what oh. would be huge about Wilford Brimley? Diabetes. Uh, is uh, he was in the Ewok movie, in the second one, and he was also a, a big uh, Utah Jazz fan, and also number three worked with John Claude Van Damme. Yeah, Do you was, guys remember? He was also John Claude Van Damme. He was also in the Thing with Kurt Russell. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Did you guys remember Tough Enough, the the movie he did with um, uh, crap, I'm forgetting. The was name. it about jerky? No, uh, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Quaid. I don't those, know it. It was about the. It was a boxing movie, and it was about those strongest man competitions. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I watched yeah. the shit out of that. I didn't know yeah, it existed. It was. It, I, it was one of the first. He was also in one of my. Like, owned on VHS. One of my favorite movies, The Natural. He's in that. He plays the uh, yes. manager of yes. the Knights, and I love that movie. Um, guys, I what like I, when he skinny dips in Cocoon. Oh, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I want to tell you guys though. Uh, <laughs> 
The Oscars are coming up very quickly, oh. right? I think they're this following weekend. You'll see. Um, we're going to run a contest this week on the show. You guys, yeah. if you visited the Geekscape.net website, you'll already see the contest on the front page. We are giving away three copies of Lost and Found, which is a book by Sean Tan, because there is a Best Oscar nominated short based on Lost and Found in the uh, in the comp- in the Oscars. One of the Oscar nominated shorts is based on this book, Lost and Found. Scholastic has been nice enough to give away three copies of the book. To whoever uh, deserving geeks like you, to deserving geeks like you, and really, what we're going to do is do an Oscar oh, pool. They're going to have to earn it. Yeah, we're going to do an Oscar pool. The Geekscape is. We were probably going to do an Oscar pool anyway on the on the website. Now there's actually a reward for getting the most accurate Oscar pool. So, the top three most accurate Oscar pools are going to get copies of Lost and Found um, by Sean Tan. The book is awesome. It's actually a really uh, cool looking book. Uh, it's it's got some of the best artwork you're going to see in a children's book. Uh, I think you guys are going to love it. So you got to earn it, though. And it's open if you, if you're in uh, Canada or the United States, you're open for that contest. So go and find it on the website. Put in your Oscar bets, and uh, let's see where they land. Not Thailand, though. They're not open in Thailand. No, you, no, no, no. You cheese pirates? No, no, no. Cheese pirates are going to come get your cheese. Thailand. Um, so guys, in wrap up, we didn't get to so many stuff. We didn't get to like the Dead Island trailer. The oh new, my God, that's uh, good. It was pretty cool, wasn't it? Oh, beautiful. It was awesome. The yeah. Dead Island trailer, and now it's already been a, being optioned as a film. Well, just just based backwards. on the trailer. Yeah. The the game has already been optioned as a film as of today, Saturday, because of the strength of that trailer. Well, thank you, guys, who did the trailer. <laughs> and also, our friends at Telltale we'll get Games. We'll nothing for that. Our friends at Telltale Games are doing, like, Fables games Big and, and Walking stuff. Dead games. And then they put out the trailer for the Jurassic Park game. It's all, guys, it's all up on the Geekscape.net website. So go on there. Follow Sean, Mr. Sean Cullen, on, uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You can follow us at Geekscape.net, spelled out. Well, actually, you we're going to be doing us a at... podcast soon. Called oh, the, Sh- the Sean Pod. We gotta promote the shit out of that the one. The Sean Pod, and my uh, YouTube channel is Sean Pod Van Dam. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Sean Pod Van Dam. You guys understand how awesome this dude is? He, he came on Geeks Game. He's talking about. Box to get you out of the way so you can take the poster, right? Oh no, no nobody <laughs> takes that poster. That poster came from Cannes. See, if you're a Canadian, you love anybody who's been in a movie about hockey, and so sudden death with Powers Booth. Powers awesome. Booth. Awesome, but and he plays it. Go- he goes in goal during yeah. the seventh game. <laughs> no one's looking at him like, My "Are brother, you the goalie that we whatever, work with every day?" Whatever, no. whatever. Bowers Booth comes up in any conversation, which happens frequently here. Mm. Uh, my brother and I both go. Oh, which is Powers Booth is death scene. It's <laughs> Directed by our buddy Peter, uh, uh, what's his name? He, we had him on the show too. Bibiani interviewed him. It was directed yeah. by, by uh, Peter. No, 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 Peter Bogdanovich. Peter yeah. Bogdanovich. Uh, no. The guy who did the. Uh, uh, he did Time Cop, too. All right, guys, we're getting crazy here on the show. Uh, go to geekscape.net, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all that. I'd like to thank Sean again for coming thank on. Thank you for having me. You want to get both of his CDs, both live, and I am a uh, human man. Mm-hmm. Get those on iTunes and then pick up his book, of course, Hamish X and the Cheese Pirates, and the whole series, guys. Yeah. SeanCullen.com. Go check it out. Right? Right. Have your Canadian friends smuggle in the books. Yeah, why not? Or you can get them on the Kindle, but most of you can't read. 